0: You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment
1: production.
2: This episode, our oh, fab fact is rather persuasive. We're learning that even the best laid plans can go wrong in the randomizer. <coughs> and Toby Haydoke
3: materialises yet again. We've got a bit of fogging right there. Anyway, that's all coming up in pod 154
0: of the Jerry Anderson podcast. <coughs>
1: Let's get started. Let's go.
4: Spectrum is green.
5: The Gerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James.
3: Now, Richard, do you want to explain what on earth that noise is? Why do I, do I have to explain? Well... Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you are got a furball. You've been licking yourself again.
0: <laughs> it's a TARDIS. Of course it is. I'm talking to Toby oh, Haydoke again for the your, second part of my interview. It's
3: your warp, isn't it? Yes, it's my warp. He's a big Doctor Who fan, as we know. Yeah, he certainly is. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to a bit more Toby Haydoke. Now, um... Yeah. You're Richard James, I'm Jamie Anderson. Over yes. there, uh, oh. freshly out the shower and bizarrely wrapped in three towels with a sort of turban-esque one for drying yeah. his hair is That's Chris right. Dale. Chris, you need to go and sort yourself out because very soon it'll be time for your randomizer. But what else have we got coming up on the Jerry Anderson podcast other than the fan-favourite randomizer, Richard James? He's
0: dripping water all over our lovely wooden parquet flooring Come as well. On, uh, well, of course,
3: we've got, I know, we've got uh, uh,
0: Fab Facts coming up in just a moment, of course. Uh, we've got uh, the second part of my interview with Toby Haydoke where he uh, recollects his uh, memories of uh, watching Jerry Anderson as a child and actually gives us his thoughts and comments on Space precinct two, which uh, oh, can't sure wait for that. Will be of interest. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got uh, some musy news, 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 because there's always something new happening at the Jerry Anderson Universe, Correct. as we know well by now. We've got Dale's uh, amazing randomizer coming up a little later on, and of course, we've been hearing from our wonderful Podstrongs—that's you, listeners at home, who've been emailing us podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. You've been tweeting us and hashtagging us Jerry Anderson Podcast. You've been uh, writing on our Facebook group and mentioning us on youtube and i shall be reading out missives from all those various social media platforms as we go (laughs) Go on
3: brilliant youtube missives can be quite um (laughs) interesting have you got any interesting ones there well i I can wait don't worry exactly you'll just have to wait i'll find it later now uh, also in the news today we have oh yeah an exclusive five-minute sample of Thunderbird's Terror from the Stars, the brand-new audiobook, which is being released ah, this week from Big Finish great. Productions. Now, I also have a slight bit of disappointing news, which I will deliver hmm? probably as part of a sandwich around that uh, in oh. that sample. But don't worry, all is fine. All will be revealed, okay. all is well. Uh, oh, all okay. is FAB, in fact. Now, right. while we wait for that FAB thing, I've got another yeah. FAB thing. In fact, oh, have you? it's an what? FAB FACTS thing. FAB FAB. It's a fab fact. Yeah. Now,
1: time for this week's fab facts.
3: So this F A B F A C T, Richard. Mm. I have i O K. I'm this? going to flick through the P A G E S. <sighs> You're going right. to shout F A B, mm. and I will S T O P at that point and read out an F A C T. Are you <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> um, hang god, I'm just catching up. Uh, yes. Uh, excellent. Here we go. F-A-B! Oh No, I'm not sure whether I should have stopped on the F or the B there. Ah, true. So Mm. I stopped on the A. Uh, Oh, okay. Ah. Well, this will be a nice one, I think. Yeah. Because this fab fact has to do with the much-loved and much-missed Shane Rimmer. Ah. Lovely. Now, As we all know, Shane was not only an incredible voice artist, uh, he was also, as we've discussed before, a writer. And among his writing credits are several episodes of Captain Scarlet, Joe Ninety, and the glorious Secret Service. Oh. And most relevant to today's fab fact, The Protectors. Right. I think, as we may have discussed before, Shane wrote two episodes of the show, uh, the first of which also guest starred. Shane Rimmer himself. Yeah, funny that. The, uh, the episode in question was called <laughs> Zeke's Blues, in which Shane played Harry Rule's old pal, Zeke, as you might imagine, uh, who got into some troubles with baddies, and things all go a bit wrong, as you might expect in The Protectors. But did you know that another very well-known actor had already been approached to play that role that eventually became Zeke? Oh, well... Shane did, because he wrote the episode with that very person in mind. Ah, did he? Yes. Shane had first heard about The Protectors when he was guest starring on an episode of another popular ITC show, which had been written by Protectors script editor and regular Anderson contributor, the late Tony Barwick. Ah, One of the stars of the show had agreed to guest star on The Protectors, and uh, Dad was wondering that since Shane was working with this actor on this other series, maybe he should be the one to write the script that would feature him as a guest star. The show in question was The Persuaders, and the actor was Tony Curtis. Oh! Oh! (laughs) That's Uh, not quite the uh, response I was expecting Anyway, (laughs) Shane played a baddie in Tony Barwick's Persuaders episode Called Element of Risk Which, oddly enough, had quite a few Anderson elements in it Hmm. Richard James, would you like to hear them? Yeah, well, of course I would Here we go then As well as Shane, there was also Protected in Space 1999 star Peter Bowles I love Peter Bowles UFO guest star James Cosmo Oh, I love James Cosmo. UFO, Space 1999, and Space Precinct guest star Bob Sherman. A? And, don't say A, and regular Supermarination voice David Healy. Ah. So, do you not remember Bob Sherman from Space Precinct? Bob Sherman. What did he play? Do you know any idea? We'll have to look him up in a minute. Um, Yeah. There was also a character named Anderson. Hmm. And the baddies were trying to get their hands on aircraft code-numbered Flight 104, which is the name of a Captain Scarlet episode, also written by Tony Barwick. You see, it <laughs> always yeah. come back, comes back to Anderson, whatever yeah, of we do. It does. Yeah. And Tony always used things reused things like the 10th of July and, and 104 and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, during production of Element of Risk, Shane spent a lot of time observing Tony Curtis seeing how he moved and behaved and writing down observations between takes so, mm-hmm. that, so that he cre- could create a character for his protector script that best suited Tony Curtis's style curtis eventually twigged something was going on and had to ask shane just why exactly he was stalking him with a (laughs) notebook Um, but luckily he completely accepted shane's explanation very good Uh, (laughs) right shane then got on with writing the script and tailored the story and its main guest character of zeke to his experiences with tony curtis as much as possible Mm. but unfortunately as is sometimes the case curtis ultimately had to pass on the protectors episode because of other filming commitments in the states shane was called for an urgent meeting where he was told the script is fine everything is fine we've just got one teeny tiny problem no curtis but rather than delay production it was suggested that shane himself could take over the role Hmm. although shane protested at first he soon saw it made sense since he was the one who had the most invested in the creation of that character so it's not like he just wrote an episode and said I'm going to be the guest star in it yeah which is what I would do uh, well Shane would never do that <laughs> no. uh, even though dad and Sylvia probably would have let him do that yeah, because true. he'd done voices for episodes of Supermanation Nation shows and he'd also written obviously for Scarlet and Joe 90 yeah. Yeah. but those were a little bit different to a live action main guest starring role but they clearly had enough faith in Shane that he could do it and do it well, which, of course, he did. Of course he did. So, if you go back and watch that episode of The Protectors, which, obviously, we recommend you do, and we you know, we do love The Protectors, <clears throat> um, then you may spot little glimpses of Tony Curtis in Shane's performance because he was trying to keep up the spirit of the original casting as best he could. It's interesting to imagine Tony Curtis doing that guest spot on The Protectors, though. It made sense to try and get him, since he was already in the UK doing The Persuaders. But mm. you have to wonder, Curtis himself, would he have got along with Robert Vaughan? Mm. Would they have clashed? Maybe they were already friends? We don't know. But presumably, they must have crossed paths at some point on the Hollywood circuit. So who knows what that sort of partnership would have been like. Yeah. It's yet another what-if moment where history ultimately went in a slightly different way than planned.
0: Uh, how interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, that's in, you do wonder how many of these roles are written with actors in mind. Not many, I shouldn't
3: think. I mean, do you think the role of Officer Orrin in Space Precinct was written with Richard James in mind?
0: <laughs> now, that I doubt. <laughs> I doubt. Probably written with Tony Curtis in mind, to be honest. Yeah. And if you look very carefully, you'll see something of Tony Curtis in my performance.
5: <laughs> we hear it on the
0: podcast
3: every week.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, dear Shane Rimmer. I mean, he really is the epitome of the Anderson universe, isn't he? I mean, he's just about... He had a finger in just about every pie, didn't he?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Writing, voicing puppets, guest starring in live-action shows. I mean, he did a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah, and was a very important part of the universe and remains so despite his absence. Oh, yes, um,
0: and wasn't he such a, a prominent guest on the convention circuit? Always so popular with people, I remember. Oh, very... Big big, yeah. big cues for Shane Rimmer every time.
3: Yeah, well, just hearing him say your name. I mean, I've, I've still <laughs> yes. got on my voicemail a... Uh, a message from Shane that I saved from years ago just because it's cool having Scott Tracy leave you a voicemail. Ah, of course it is. So, yeah. Anyway, I I shall raise a a toast to Shane. I'm only drinking a a diet soda can thing here but Mm -hmm. I'm still raising it to Shane. Uh, But that brings us rather nicely to the end of this week's Shane's Fact. Fact. Oh, well, that's great. You see, I did the character, you did the
0: actor. Yeah, exactly. Shane's Fact. Lovely. that's sweet. That's very nice. I always like to hear things about lovely Shane River. Now, Jamie have you ever been likened to fish eggs <laughs> not to my knowledge well i only ask because barbara Knowles got in touch as did many other podstrons in the last week to podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. barbara says just a few lines to celebrate the caviar of the air the Jerry anderson podcast <laughs> with the silky smooth voice of richard the observations of the randomizer and jamie managing all his other responsibilities while
3: still finding time to snowboard It's amazing. (laughs) And long may it continue. And that's from Barbara. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yes. My snowboarding and my country and Western career uh, are both going very well, thank you.
0: I'm I'm amazed you find the time for this. (laughs) It's incredible. Thanks for squeezing us in your very busy schedule.
3: Uh, Now, Paul Hyde has been listening to BBC
0: Radio 2. He says, Hi Jamie and Richard, hope you're well. Last Sunday on the 2nd of May, uh, the Potter's Arms had a shout-out on the Paula Grady show on Radio 2. It was uh, to wish my wife Lydia well, but Paul called her Linda. Anyway, poor Lydia is used to that happening. Anyway, he mentioned so many of your dad's great programs that it made my day, as I've been trying for weeks to get a shout out. Anyway, I thought you might want to hear it. And that's from Paul Hyde. Yeah, well, have a listen to this. He does indeed mention a ton of Gerry Anderson shows.
3: Ooh, let's hear that now.
6: Do you want a message? Yes, please. Right, CEO. And a big hello to Paul Hyde and his wife Linda, aka Lady P. And both of them are big fans of Thunderbirds. And they'd also like a mention for their pals who take part in Jerry Anderson themed quizzes. I like Thunderbirds, though, did you?
2: I loved all his stuff.
6: And me, Stingray. Stingray, Stingray. <laughs> Joe 90. Yeah, you used to like UFO.
2: That. Yeah,
6: yeah, I used to Space like that. 1999. Four Feather Falls
2: don't remember that
6: one Ah, i knew you'd say that that's i fed you that line captain scarlet yeah twizzle (laughs) i really don't remember that one (laughs) well i I vaguely remember twizzle vaguely (laughs) i can remember the theme tune now i'm gonna move on quickly
1: isn't
0: that
3: amazing i I love it his earliest memory is of twizzle i mean that's going (laughs) back isn't it great yes gosh that that barely ever gets a mention no yeah almost as little as torchy thank goodness
0: uh, yeah, uh, Tom Hodden says Would you be so kind as to thank Chris Dale and all who work on the Jerry Anderson official page for their excellent work A while back I suggested in the uh, Podstron's group that an article on tangentially Anderson shows like TB 2086 might be of some little interest and Chris has gone and proved me wrong by writing an article of huge interest and entertainment that uh, raked up a whole slew of nostalgic memories from Saturday mornings long ago. It is of course far from the only interesting article in a site that is a very easy way to lose an afternoon. (laughs) If you could surprise Chris and company by reminding them that they are pretty darned marvellous, I would be much obliged. And that's from Tom.
4: Ah,
3: lovely. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris Dale and all who sail in her. Yeah, Um, quite right. Much
0: appreciated indeed now this is from steve who says hi chaps well what a marathon we had at the podder's arms on the facebook group on saturday night three and a half hours of thunderbirds questions expertly hosted by the talented willow and co-host squiddy there were 20 participants who were entertained with the following rounds Squiddy's Gordon round, Steve's Merch, Merch, Merch round, Doug's Thunderbird's Guest Vehicle round, Steven's Answer Smash round, Alex's Caption round, Tessa's TB episode round, Gordon edition, Jenny's Whose Line Was That round, Lauren's Spot the Difference round, and last but not least, Simpsons Clip's Cheeky Emoji round, with interludes provided, of course, by Pun King Simon. Phew! Oh, of uh, Steve goes on. Regarding the six degrees of separation. Now, do you remember this, Jamie? You posed... A six Degrees of Separation teaser. How are we to get from Thunderbird 2 ah, yes. to
3: post-it notes? Yes, yes, remember? yes. Well, and I saw a few entries flood in. So yeah.
0: Now, like, you see, we need to talk about this because I spend a lot of time, as you know, uh, a few months ago creating a brand new uh, item for the podcast mm. called Plot of Peril. Yes. I mean, I put an awful lot into that. I remember, yes, and sweating we away. We used to get like one entry two tops it was usually yeah. simon allen simpsons clips tom hodden that's about it yeah you seem to have struck gold with this one yes so first of all steve says right post-it note made by 3m who are based in binfield on Kane road which is included in the title of the film saving sarah Kane, who had a cast member soren fulton who was firm at in the 2004 thunderbirds film where he flies in thunderbird 2 that's from steve nice now, chris moore as my previous email prompted this game, says Chris. I thought I ought to contribute a solution, so here goes. Thunderbird Two appeared in Thunderbirds Are Go. Mm-hmm. Sylvester McCoy voiced the character A's Thrill in the Tag episode Thunderbirds Are Go episode Endgame. Sylvester McCoy played the Seventh Doctor in Doctor Who. The Seventh Doctor appears in Virgin Books New Adventures range. Bernie Summerfield was a companion of the Doctor in these books. Bernie Summerfield kept a diary, which she annotated with the use of Post-it notes. <laughs> Nice. How's that?
3: That's pretty good. Yeah,
0: Chris says uh, maybe I was wrong in my last message. Perhaps everything is really connected through Doctor Who and not Jerry Anderson. And finally, before we all go completely mad, Martin Laybourne sent us a little voice file Ooh. with his six
4: degrees of separation. Hello, Richard, Jamie, and Chris. It's Martin Laybourne here. Um, I wish to submit my six degrees of Jerry Anderson, but before I do. I have to say, this idea seems very familiar to one I sent you the end of last summer. Now, do you remember Soul 6? I suggested you called it that, as the idea was to link a famous Hollywood actor to UFO. It with six seriously obscure links. That's hard to say. Um, Hence Soul 6, which, as you know, is a unit of speed of incoming UFOs. Anyway, not to hold a grudge, those great ideas have to start from somewhere, here is my six degrees of Jerry Anderson for Thunderbird 2 to the post-it note. Thunderbird 2 is the name of the heavy rescue craft that stars in the TV show Thunderbirds, created by Jerry Anderson, who, in the 1990s, created a series of TV commercials, including one for, or several four. Scotch videotape, who were manufactured by 3M, who also invented the post-it note. There you go. That was a bit easy, Jamie. Give us another one. And before I go, talking of links, you know I am always going on about Howard's Way. Don't moan, but um, I just got to the end of the whole series and there was one... Link or not Link, but one coincidence that actually stood out I didn't see it until the end, and that is there was one character, or one of the main characters, his name was called orrin Hudson. Now, if I remember right, orrin is um the name of a character played by that um rather good English actor. I can't recall his name, but I think he was in Space Precinct. And of course Hudson was the name of the Rolls Royce, which uh, was the car in um that, oh god was it, oh, was it oh, no, ter- terrible terrible ter- terror hawks that was it anyway so there you go i promise i won't mention howard's way anymore anyway i'm off now to watch the protectors the whole lot goodbye
0: oh, oh yes very good martin good ground, there we go Kurt. good good ground yes the old scotch tape 3m yeah, route to get the post-it route. notes uh, and also i don't know if you noticed there jamie someone else taking credit for the item Martin suggesting that it was from an email that he sent months ago. That's where you got the idea from? Mm.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, I must have I must have nicked it without realizing. Yes. Mm. Uh, so. he, he plainly doesn't hold a grudge, but yeah, he
0: then goes on to say that he's uh, watching Howard's Way with the character Orin Hudson. <laughs> and wonders if there was any uh, inspiration there. Who knows? But anyway, he's going to watch The Protectors now. So good luck with that. Do let us know what you're watching at home. Email us in podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. What's in your Blu-ray player or your DVD player or what's on your iPod or iPad? What are you listening to or watching from the worlds of Jerry Anderson? Let us know. Could I
3: pose then another six degrees of separation? Well, if you must, I would love to. Oh, come on. This week's. <laughs> six degrees of anderson separation yes right you must connect a stanley knife Mm -hmm. to stingray's marina (laughs) not literally no not literally no 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 no, 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 nothing like that no a Stanley knife to stingray's marina good luck posture off you go yeah there we are well done. OK, so while they're working on that, uh, Richard, should we have some yeah. Jerry Anderson news? Oh, let's have some news. Oh, all right then. Uh, here comes some Jerry Anderson news. It's this week's Jerry Anderson... Newsy, news, news, newsy, news, news, news. Great. Huh. Yeah. I was hoping you'd harmonise a bit more though, that's alright I'm right. sorry mm. uh, Right, let's start off with something truly FAB Thunderbirds, Terror from the Stars Our first yes. foray into Thunderbirds audiobooks Is out this week However mm. yes. <laughs> yes The download is available from Big Finish From uh, the end of this week uh, So you, yep. you can get it from there Now if you've ordered the CD mm. I'm afraid CD production is slightly delayed However, Ooh. however Yes. everyone who has pre-ordered the cd will also get a free download link via the Jerry Anson website so okay uh you'll get that on the day of release so you will still be able to hear it from the yep. day it's out you won't yep. be held up yeah. Uh, and your physical version will will follow in due course. We expect maybe a week to ten days delay, something like that. Uh, okay. We just had some final kind of mastering issues and um, and making sure the packaging was just right and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, please accept, accept our apologies. We're working hard to uh, stop these delays happening and all that sort of stuff. So we hope you'll accept our apology and uh, the gift of a, a, an instant download. So that will follow for uh, release yeah. day. To whet your appetite, would you like five exclusive minutes? From Terra from the Stars. Oh, what
5: now? Yeah. Hmm, yes, please.
3: Here it comes.
5: Scott hooked his lighted torch to his belt and lowered himself over the crumpled parapet of the well. Slowly he went down into the darkness, foot by foot, hand over hand, fending himself off the smooth sheer wall with his feet. The geiger clicked steadily. At 20 feet, Scott paused to ease his muscles and listened. No sound came from below. He advised Alan that he was proceeding. At 40 feet, he reported again. This time, he could hear running water, probably an underground river, but no increase in radiation levels. At 60 feet, Scott reported once more. Slight increase of radiation, well below danger level. Watch it, Scott. That radiation seems to be clouding the transmission. Pull out before it gets anywhere near danger level. Okay, Father. I'm going down another 20 feet. Stand by. Base from sky. 80 feet. About halfway to water level, I guess. I'll try the laser again. Damn! Uh, nothing much dad dropped the laser but when i switched it on i felt a sort of sharp tingling kind of startled me what uh, about the radiation
1: scott radiation radiation
5: radiation radiation
1: scott scott are you all right all right scott can you read me scott Alan, what's happened? Are you still receiving Scott?
7: No, Father. I can't make contact at all. He went off the air as though he'd switched
8: off.
1: Switched off? He wouldn't do a fool thing like that. Something's wrong. He was repeating my words just as though he didn't know what he was saying. Like a drugged man. Launch Thunderbird 2, Virgil. You go with him, Gordon. Take Thunderbird 4.
8: Thunderbird 4, Dad? But even if there is water down there, I couldn't get
1: to it. Do as I say, son. There is water, and you'd better be prepared for any eventuality. Get going. Yes, sir. Brains, go with Virgil and Gordon. They may need your know-how.
5: Yes, Mr. Tracy. I have been listening to Scott's transmissions. I share your feeling that uh, he may be in grave danger.
1: Can I go with them, Dad? No, John. We can't strip international rescue of every operative. We don't know what we're up against. And if we should need Thunderbird 3, that's just you and me, son.
6: And me, Mr. Tracy.
1: Yes, Tintin, and you, but let's hope none of us will be needed. Good luck, boys. Thanks, Father. Don't worry. We'll bring him back.
5: The picture rotated vertically, and Virgil swung out of sight and hurtled down the hidden chute beyond the wall. Seconds later, he shot through the roof of the vast hangar hollowed out of the cliff and into the open hatch above the cabin of a huge aircraft known as Thunderbird 2. It was standing on its stilts above the conveyor belt, which carried the six pods containing various rescue equipment. As Virgin landed in the pilot seat, he touched a switch. The conveyor belt moved to the left, and the huge craft settled down on its hydraulic stilts above the fourth pod, which was automatically locked into position in the main fuselage. He heard Gordon and Brains arrive in the cabin by the passenger elevator from the lounge and take their seats behind him and advise them to prepare for launch. The massive door of the hangar slid down to reveal the long palm-flanked runway leading down to the moonlit sea. Slowly, the great craft rolled forward on the wheels of the selected pod. Up in the lighted lounge, Jeff Tracy watched as Thunderbird 2 emerged from the cliff face beneath the house, and the palms angled outwards to allow the giant wings free passage. The great craft stopped, and a section of the runway tilted to form a skyward-pointing ramp. The powerful turbines revved up to an ear-splitting whine. Jeff found himself instinctively holding his breath. Whenever any of his boys took off, He was in there with them in spirit, sharing their experience. With a blasting roar of exploding gases, Thunderbird 2 streaked up the ramp and hurtled into the night sky. As its rocket flare vanished, Jeff sighed and looked at John and Tintin. They had the same worried looks on their faces, and he knew they were thinking the same thing, hoping against hope that Thunderbird 2 arrived in time.
3: Oh Nice Yes there you go Thunderbirds brought back to life With a brand new cast Uh, Very authentically I think Uh, I saw a couple of people Tweeting about the sound effects And the music Which uh, have been done by Toby Robinson And Joe Kramer Great cast Done a fantastic job Sam Clemens has done a magic job In the direction Um, Wonderful team So well done gang Next up we are recording uh, Stingray And a second Thunderbirds Uh book And they will be Uh uh, Coming soon More info Very very soon It's all very exciting. We're also working on First Action Bureau Series 2 and loads more besides. So um, all sorts of exciting things to come. Mm Mm-hmm. Richard James, I know you like a good flash sale. Um, I'm so glad you finished that sentence. Make make sure you subscribe to notifications or our email to uh, get notified of flash sales, which are happening every Friday for the foreseeable. Um, You've just missed out, unfortunately, on the 40% off Terrahawks vinyl from Friday just gone. But (laughs) but from this coming Friday, there'll be more every week. So uh, keep an eye out and you could save... Gosh, anything up to seventy percent, I can see coming up in the deal. So um, yeah, nice. look forward to those. Uh, now, when we did our Fab Live for Jerry Anderson Day, we showcased a couple of Lee Sullivan, Usual Suspects prints, which are coming up. Um, yeah, I've got the prototyped framed version right here in my office. Oh, of course you and, have. And uh, oh, it's glorious! So beautiful, uh, beautiful prints. Uh, they just look so great, um, and they mm-hmm. will be available to order very soon. Now there shouldn't be any manufacturing delay because they are being manufactured in the UK. So there's Great. something that hopefully we won't be delayed on once they, they go out for sale. But they are just just gorgeous. So, can't yeah, kind of wait for those. And finally for now, in fact, I've already mentioned First Action Bureau, but if you are a Big Finish customer and uh, you didn't want to get a physical version, the CD version of First Action Bureau, uh, Big Finish are doing distribution for First Action Bureau Series 1, the feature edit and the extra features that you can find on the CD. So if you're more of a download person, then um, that's coming, uh, I think, uh, next week or very, very soon anyway. So you can mm-hmm. get the full version with all the extra features, all the downloads, all the making of, all that sort of stuff um, from BigFinish.com. Great. And that, Richard James, is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. Ah, uh, you see, you were, you were expecting me to sing it there, weren't you? Uh, Why, well, I was. Yeah, Why are you I not know. doing it? Uh, what? No,
0: I'm not, not this week. No, nope, I'm taking a week off. I feel a, a bit there.
3: uncomfortable.
0: I know. Well, you know, maybe next week. Let's see how we go.
3: Just to put a plea out to you, um, postron listening right now, I tell you what, could you just do me a favour and, and sing that was the news that was the news and send it in as a voice file just in case richard does this nonsense again we can at least you you can do it how that i mean that's actually richard you you may have generated something quite cool here a guest that was the news that was the news oh that's a great idea do send them in (laughs) Uh, necessity is the mother of invention isn't it uh yeah i'll just call you mr necessity or mrs necessity i suppose
0: anyway that's that what's next yep uh, well, you're listening to the Jerry Addison podcast now. I'm going to send out a plea to all our listeners. Please subscribe us on whichever platform you uh, su- subscribe to us. Mm. <laughs> on whichever platform you're listening to us on, uh, you can leave us a nice rating, which is a, a rating and a, and a review, uh, and you can also uh, copy the link and share it with your friends so they uh, they hear us too. Uh, mm. Now, if you're on Facebook, you can join in all the fun on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash podstrons. For example, Rob Doyle says, wow, I just watched the pilot episode of Fireball XL5 Planet 46. What a difference a couple of years make compared to Supercar." Hmm. Rob says The model work and effects Are leaps ahead I particularly like The Robert the Robot Puppet uh, was this ever made as a toy or a model he says it's a great introduction to the team and the premise of the show there's definitely a progression from this to Stingray all the characters seem fun and no Zuni in this episode <laughs> uh, Steve Zodiac and the team Save the Earth on the mysterious Planet 46 were firing manned missiles with enough power to destroy the Earth there's lots of action and fun and unfortunately lots of the usual sexism of the time with the only female crew member Dr. Venus her job seems to be to cook and be there to tell Steve how amazing he is well that's fair enough that's why Jay Amy's here. Uh, He says, (laughs) I did laugh at the end of the episode, though, when she says, I guess I know why they call you the greatest astronaut in Space Patrol. And his reply, I think you're cute, too. One question. How big is the fireball craft? Judging by the size of the lounge, it must be massive. Anyway, I really liked it. And uh, Rob gives it an eight out of ten, which ain't bad.
3: That isn't bad. Yeah, do you know if there was a Robert the Robot uh, toy at any point? I don't think there were any any proper articulated ones. Yeah, um, I think there were some little <coughs> single color plastic ones, possibly. Right. Yeah. But uh, no, not not many, because he's, he's such a cool robot. It's a shame there weren't more. Absolutely. I mean, there certainly would be these days, wouldn't there?
0: Mm. Jeff Owen uh, says, "I'm sure it's probably been covered in expanded media, but I'd love to know the answer to the ultimate question: Who would win?" In the ultimate race troy tempest in stingray versus gordon tracy in thunderbird 4 i mean he says it's obviously going to be stingray but i'd love to hear arguments in favor of thunderbird 4 so jeff's already made up his mind there i think oh. he's probably right
3: probably yeah mm. i mean i don't actually yeah. know the technical specifications in terms of speed versus stingray oh, versus you know. four so not off the top of my head but i'm sure somebody oh. out there will so do sure. let us know of course but they will. um yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean troy couldn't lose could he really No, of course not
0: Uh, Miles Parrish says uh, So I've just awoken with a start Because I dreamed my apartment burnt down A key part of this dream Was making the difficult decisions About which Gerry Anderson memorabilia to save As they burned Three months of listening to about three pods a day To catch up from the beginning Seems to be having an impact He says, it did remind me I needed to renew my contents insurance, though, so thanks to Jamie, (laughs) Richard, and Chris. Uh, Sean Cooley says, for our anniversary, my wife bought us a region-free Blu-ray and DVD player, so I guess it's time to order those final Anderson shows that either never got an official release in the US on disc or are so out of print it's better to import anyway. There is a downside, though. That remaining list includes Torchy.
5: (laughs) Yeah, Sean, you have our condolences.
0: (laughs) And finally, this is rather nice from Mark Wickham, who says, Just wanted to say what a fantastic podcast you guys produce every week. I've been a Thunderbirds fan since the 1980s. But he says, I only discovered this podcast from number 143. What? Ah, He's only just joined us.
3: What about the Uh, prior 142?
0: (laughs) I know. Uh, I'm also a Star Wars fan. and often listen to Star Wars podcasts, but I have to say that your production knocks spots off those now.
3: Oh, that's nice, is it? Well, yeah. I, we should add that it's not us producing it, really, is it? That's uh, no, that's Laura no. editing it, making it that's sound true. professional, and, and yeah, Ben bringing really it all together, and uh, yeah. and Chris giving some great content on the randomizer and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh,
0: Mark says I find it totally entertaining, and I look forward to each episode. Thanks for keeping the world of Jerry Anderson alive and making a very interesting podcast. Best wishes to you all. Roll on Monday. FAB, great pleasure.
3: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Mark. Isn't that nice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there we are. Is that the end for now? I mean, that'll do, won't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we probably deserve a break. To be honest, after all that, so yeah, the well, best way do for do us yeah. to well, yeah, well, all right, okay, fine. So it's always <laughs> nice to have a little break and listen to our interviewee of the week. Uh, now, last week we had Toby Haydock Part One, so obviously, what follows this week is Toby Haydock Part Two. Ah, and since you did that interview, why don't you tell us? a bit about it what, what can we well, expect
0: now listeners will know Toby Haydoke of course through his association and uh, his uh, affiliation with the worlds of Doctor Who but of course he's a great fan of all cult television apart as we learned last time from Star Trek hmm. uh, but he does have uh, lots of uh, yep Gerry Anderson memories and uh, he's very keen to share them with us including his thoughts and comments
3: on the greatest Gerry Anderson show of all Space Precinct of course well I can't wait to hear that um Shall we hear from the world's greatest space precinct fan, Toby Haydoke? Let's let him in.
0: <laughs> Does TV still mean as much now, or more, or, or, or different than it used to, or is it still a, a gateway to happier times and places for you? Well, I think it's interesting because
7: I still I've been watching some of the Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat Doctor Who's uh, recently for the podcast and realizing how much I love some of them. I did. Bad Wolf last night mm. um, and remembered what a heady time that was. But I, st- I still had my eye on the general public, you know, and was terrified <laughs> right. that, you know, ev- ev- every Sunday morning, you know, waiting for the ratings post to come through on the forum or-, or the reviews from the papers to see if somebody might turn on Doctor Who, even though it was sailing higher than ever. So I, I hope I've learned to sort of loosen up. I'm a, I'm a bit more, I think, laid back about uh, about Doctor Who now, because i think because i think it will always be part of the furniture whether it's on telly or not Mm. you know i can sort of live between seasons now whereas Mm. i remember i mean I god i remember cycling i was doing a gig at the comedy store and i would started to cycle to save a few quid and to get a bit fit but it's quite nerve-wracking cycling in a big city Mm. Um, and i remember cycling to the comedy store on the on the the week of of Dalek and going well i've got to be ultra careful because i don't get knocked off my bike and die because I, I mean doctor who's really good and it's the Daleks that <laughs> so that would have been the ultimate tragedy not only that i'd been killed but i'd been killed before the Daleks came back but now it's 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 funny we've sort of got everything we wish for you can watch yeah doctor who whenever you want i mean i yeah. used to you know channel hop when the cricket was rained off to see if Doctor might get an unscheduled repeat. Um, <laughs> now I've got them all on my shelf, and I've got them on, you know, iPlayer and yeah. or whatever, all these things. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is to hand, and we've got more fantasy on now than ever. And yet, I find myself with ne- spending half an hour uh, going through, not just dis- not hitting upon anything that I want. Yeah, and I, al- I almost think when there were only four channels. And By the very nature of the lack of choice, you happened upon something you might not have automatically chosen mm. and then discovered something amazing. Mm. In that, being given what we want, it's it, you know, it's, it's like if you've got a big buffet and, and you and you only like, you know, I, I only like sausages, you're only going to eat the sausages. But if yeah. somebody says, well, you know, you're going to have this, you might think you don't like it and then you acquire a taste for it and then you actually discover. <laughs> sort of flavours and experiences you wouldn't otherwise have availed yourself of.
0: Yes, Dennis Potter used to speak of the ghettoization of TV, which is what he feared, whereby you'd have channels dedicated the BBC 4s to the more sort of esoteric and uh, high art, the BBC 3s for for the youngsters and, and BBC 1 for popul- more populist entertainment and so on. And his idea was just that, that actually you should be putting all this stuff on one channel so that you could be watching EastEnders, but then it would be followed by a ballet uh, or it'd be followed by a a piece of theatre, live streamed or whatever it might be, so that you would stumble across things without necessarily looking for them. And I think what's happened now is the ultimate ghettoization. You know, we go to Brickbox for our classic Doctor Who, we go to Netflix for our Stranger Things. So we've lost, haven't we, that communal uh, stumbling across new things.
7: Yes. And and, and television at its best is the national conversation, but that's, that's because, you know, if everybody the water cooler moment, you know, everybody Mm. talks about what they watched last night. Well, you know, 15 years ago, what was on at eight o'clock last night was the same for everybody Mm. out of four things. Mm. Now, it's not only what scheduled but also what they might have been catching up on and you know you can't even go on social you know you you, you now sometimes say we better watch this program because somebody on facebook's going to ruin it for me yes. you know it's almost a race <laughs> to get you know I, I think somebody said something about episode five of wonder vision and so uh the I don't know what they've said. I, I had to sort of look away because I haven't yeah. watched it yet. Yeah. But I've said to my partner, "We need to get to episode five soon because otherwise, I'm going to read about episode five <laughs> that's right, uh, that's or right. whatever it is." And I do, th- and I think uh, popular culture brings us together and again yes it can direct the national conversation or reflect the national conversation but if there is no common ground f- uh, for that conversation to be had i think it does fracture us a little bit mm. and it means we don't have the same reference points and i i do think that's a shame and i do think that's potentially quite harmful
0: But perhaps that's where fandoms come into their own. I mean, I know on the podcast and the larger general Jerry Anderson community, that is a great coming together of uh, people from all over the world, really, to share their love and respect of a particular genre and a particular man's work. Uh, Likewise with Doctor Who. The Doctor Who fandom is a a huge uh, diaspora of, of people who come together to celebrate the one thing. So perhaps fandom is now the only way we have of that communal coming together. Uh,
7: yes. And, and I suppose if they are shows that are a very broad church, that is very good. So yeah, I like to think, I mean, interesting, one of the things about the the, the podcast is, is that I, I ask friends or colleagues or people whose work I like to recommend the stories. Mm. Uh, and one of the very interesting things about it is that everyone has responded to that very differently. And what I hadn't anticipated, because I thought it would just be a Doctor Who commentary thing, is actually the guests dictate and demonstrate the different styles of appreciating mm. Doctor Who. Right, so a writer right. might go into the minutiae of that. I did. did Richard Marson talked about the history of fandom, and and suddenly, and suddenly you say, "Oh, you think of all Doctor Who fans as being the same because we do have a common interest, and I think sometimes common, common mental traits in, in, in a way, but actually from very different backgrounds with very different stories." And I think if you have a a broad circle of friends. And you know, I've got I've got Doctor Who fan friends who have different political opinions from me, and who who draw different political messages from Doctor. Who. I'm an old liberal lefty, so I think of Doctor Who as a peacenik who doesn't kill anybody and just uses their intelligence. And then you go, yeah, but there are those stories where he goes, they're the bad guys. We need to blow them up in their base. And <laughs> right. you, you, know, you can't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But that but that's good. That's good because echo chambers are another big problem. I think with the world. That's the that's the bad side effect. Is if you only hang around in your interest group or with or with people that particularly chime with you you don't necessarily learn from mistakes by being exposed to contrary experiences and points of view but doctor who is has such a broad appeal
0: that i think we're slightly luckier in that because it's such a broad church yeah and uh, what do you feel about the, the future of tv i saw a, a tweet the other day from someone saying that their their kid doesn't watch tv like perhaps you and I did growing up, they go to their various players, you know, their various platforms and, 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 and binge-watch entire series. And uh, if, if there's something they want to see, uh, let's say on the BBC, they'll log into the iPlayer uh, and they'll see that, uh, oh, the latest episode isn't out yet. And rather than waiting then for the Friday night for the n- next episode, they'll just wait weeks and then come back and oh, that thing. They won't make a point of watching the next episode. It'll be something on no, their to-do list. My youngest son, who's 16, doesn't watch
7: television. He watches YouTube. He watches people playing computer games. <laughs> I mean, look, my granddad was worried about the Beatles and thought that was the end of civilization. So I suppose it's... Yeah. And he was a very liberal and and intelligent man. So I suppose it's an older person's job to be appalled <laughs> by, by people watching people unpacking shopping. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's extraordinary. Um, but but we're a creative bunch. So I think television is changing. And also the industry is changing in that. And it's a two-sided thing because the old gatekeepers do not wield the power that they once had, which I think will have, have, I think as a, as a performer and as a creative is suddenly quite freeing because it used to be, if you wanted to get a script made, you had about three opportunities to do so. Um, And also with more being made, it means you can do a sort of more bespoke sort of program and still get some traction uh, yeah. and, and people behind it. So, in a way, I wish that had actually forced the BBC to be a little bit bolder and claim their ground as a national broadcaster to to not try and therefore do some of the more generic stuff that they do but actually go okay we have a we have a role here Mm. Um, and instead uh, i i i don't actually think they've they've responded particularly well which which is a shame because they're sort of almost doing you know a slightly better platform for a lot of the stuff that people are doing anyway yes yeah which i don't think which i think is a a flawed model you know that everyone else is working to a commercial model and that's fine Mm. and that's good and it's good to have that as an alternative but the bbc shouldn't be an, a commercial entity with, I mean, it has a commercial arm and yeah. merchandise and that sort of thing. But in terms of its program making, I think it should be able to go, well, we don't need to do that lifestyle program because there's loads of those. And they and and so so maybe when ITV is doing a lifestyle program, why don't we do a two-hander play in a room, which mm-hmm. will cost just as much. Yeah, um, yeah, And it might not get as many viewing figures, but it serves a different purpose. And because we don't have a commercial and some of the papers will go, oh, look, it got no viewing figures, but they can't argue that it's not fulfilling what a commercial broad what a public service broadcaster should perhaps Mm. be doing Mm. so i think there needs to be a bit of an about think with that because i worry about the bbc and i think it's very very important but it means that you know uh, my podcast And i'm not trying to plug i know i've mentioned it twice but i'm only talking about my own experience i decided to do what i would do if i had a radio four program about doctor who now nobody's ever going to commission a radio four program about Doctor Who. Maybe it's a one-off, but as a regular yeah. thing, yeah. but I can make that. Yes. With my microphone and my mm-hmm. platform, and put it out, and then be flabbergasted. That, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if nobody listens because it hasn't cost me anything because I haven't mm-hmm. had to pay the actor because mm-hmm. that's me. I haven't had to pay the writer because <laughs> that's me. I haven't had <laughs> yeah. to pay the editor. And then you know you get a thousand downloads and you go,
0: oh, okay, well somebody, someone's listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Toby, when I wrote uh, Space Precinct Unmasked, which was a, a memoir about my time working on Jerry Anderson's last live action series, you very kindly bought a copy, read it and reviewed it. So that was obviously one of his series that kind of cut through the noise in the, in the 90s. Is that
7: fair to say? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's because I was I was at university. I was buying SFX magazine as my weekly hit. This is Prior to the internet, you know, so again, one had to one had to get what one could. Doctor Who wasn't around. And this yeah. seemed to be, you know, it had some good actors in it, like um, uh, Jerome Willis, who'd been uh, in Doctor Who and the Green Death. Yes. And he'd also been in a play with my brother, who's not an actor, but had done a child thing at the Ludlow Festival, where I grew up and I was always thrilled because in his program notes, Edward Woodward was Richard III, Jerome Willis was Clarence. And it said, the television credits include blah, 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 and Doctor Who and the Green Death in which he played the lead villain. So he was obviously very <laughs> proud of yes. the Green Death. And then I did a bit at the Ludlow Festival. They did a Shakespeare play there every year. And I did a bit of spear carrying. Well, this was As You Like It, so it was apple carrying. And there was an actor in it, brilliant actor in it, called Ken Drury. Yes. And the word was, oh, Ken's just walked out on a show because, and Ken's a brilliant actor because mm. he was playing a guy in a mask. Now, what <clears> I didn't realize <throat> was he was actually probably playing different guys in a different mask every week and couldn't, uh, and didn't want to deal with it so i was sort of aware that there was going to be this big sci-fi thing filmed here that this actor i really liked hadn't had yes. only done a little stint on so it was in the air do you know what i mean and then it came and and me and my friend john had a thing about ted shackleford because it's such a good american <laughs> name <laughs> and, and we weren't taking it, but if ever we did a sort of comedy sketch or something that required an all-American character, we called him Ted Shackleford as, <laughs> as, a, as a sort of fun joke. So it just seemed to be there were loads of things about it that I yes. sort of opinion. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, watching it, you could tell that they were learning as they went along, that there were interesting things happening. I was fascinated by the fact that some of the actors were obviously dubbed, which seemed to me a sort of throwback to how things were done thirty years ago. So right. it was this really odd melange of, of of how to do things, but I still in, enjoyed it whilst sort of being aware that clearly there was there were different different element, different. It was pulling in different directions. By, really was,
1: yeah, so absolutely.
7: So, so it was as much watching it for what it was as a program as as getting involved in the episodes but i thought it was and i i think uk tv is mr trick american tv has so many of our actors going over there because uh, they like our performers it seems to me odd that we've very rarely they tried it with a thing called nice guy eddie a few years ago had an american show over here using cheaper really good english actors yes. to do a sort of american style series using mm. british locations english locations uk locations and personnel and I still think there's probably a, a an effective series to be made that way. And I thought Space Precinct was a was a good stab at doing that. You get into American leads, fill the yep. rest with British personnel, and and make a show that has sort of international flavour but obviously that was the as, hope
0: yeah yeah
7: <laughs> and I loved your book and that what I love about that is in fact I, I read your book and you were there on the internet and we got in touch and we've sort of kept in touch and back and forth yeah without actually having met
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right I know ships that pass in the night uh, a couple of things there yeah Ken Drury was up to play Sergeant Fredo who was a regular Tarn the desk sergeant who went on to yes play uh, by David, uh, David, David Coulter yeah yeah uh, so yes and Ken tried the mask on i think we had a day where we all descended on pinewood to try the masks on for the first time and he just couldn't he couldn't cope with the claustrophobia he had something of a panic attack and had to walk out you're right before even filming you know a single scene gosh yeah because isn't he's in one
7: episode isn't he is it is it as, as a sort of guest monster of the week so uh, he, he came a back bit and-
0: yeah he came back as himself he was the uh, the captain of a space freighter in the uh, uh, an episode right. directed by John Glenn called The Snake, which is a bit of a, a fan favourite. So he, he did all right out of it. And as you say, a prolific actor. I mean, he crops up all over the place. So I dare say he probably has no memory of his 36 hours as part of the regular cast of Space Precinct. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, and also, uh, a step change again. We we spoke earlier about, you know, from Supermarination uh, to the worlds of uh, uh, of with the different sort of uh, design of, of puppetry. And now we have in Space Precinct... Marrying, perhaps not always successfully, the live action that uh, Jerry Anderson had uh, uh, dipped his toe in with, with space 1999 very successfully in UFO with animatronics did did that work for you the, the creatures did they feel apart from the dubbing, I, as you've mentioned, which is a very strange thing to have done did, did that work for you I think it
7: did and I th- and I thought it was an, I thought it was a neat trick to go for the sort of Hill Street bluesy type of precinct. With those recognizable types, but alienize them. I th- I think that's a really good in for an audience that might be reluctant to approach a genre show. To go, mm. okay, but other than this, the the visual language is is stuff I'm uh, I'm aware of, and I think mm. it's that's a very clever way of uh, 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 of doing things. Do something recognizable that, that hauls the audience in, and and I think I also had an eye on it of going, well, if Doctor Who came back, ah. could it? Could it work and could it be successful?
5: Yeah.
7: I mean, don't say this in a crowded room, but I prefer models to CGI even sure. even now. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's just because of what I used to do growing up. And I remember when CGI was new and it was sort of, oh, amazing, you could do anything. But seeing a spaceship model blow up with the film slightly slowed down and then speed up, it just seems more solid and more real. Mm. And, and yeah. uh, perhaps it's just the language that speaks to me better. But yeah, I, and I certainly had an eye on going. Okay, well, if Anderson can do it, why can't the BBC be doing this with with Doctor Who, which has a different sensibility? And I'm, I'm I have no problem with Space Precinct having different aims and ambitions and storytelling styles to Doctor Who. I didn't want it to be Doctor Who. It was yeah. it was its own thing, and that's great. I watched the one with
0: Ray Winston in it the other day. He's
5: he <laughs> dubbed, isn't he?
7: I
0: know. Yes, I think he has two or three lines. Uh, I don't think his character even <laughs> has a name and he's dubbed. The ignominy. Ik- I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? But he was on Very Hard Times then. Uh, he Related this. Uh, uh, Will Barton an actor you, you might also know. Uh, yeah, I've, I, I I lived opposite Will when I lived ah, in London. Right. Bizarre. Uh, related a, a story. He spoke to Ray Winston during the filming of Two Against the Rock that episode. And Ray Winston was saying, I can't get work for love nor money. I'm cabbing. I'm cabbing to make ends meet
7: <laughs> what a, yeah what a mad. so that was a little bit before nil by mouth where
0: he sort of yeah. went up against. It's, it's an unforgiving profession so where can our listeners find you online and uh, tell us a bit more about the podcast and other podcasts you have you have going and uh, websites and twitter handles and all sorts of stuff where can people find you well i'm on twitter at toby hader t-o-b-y-h-a-d-o-k-e i
7: i tend to just trivial do Doctor Who trivia or jokes now? I, uh, mm. I I worry about the cesspool of social media. <laughs> yes. But the the podcasts which started in lockdown as to give me something to do, although I've been lucky, I've been doing audio books and radio plays and all sorts of other things as well. So I've been very lucky. Uh, but I thought you know keep that keep the the machine oiled. I called Toby Haydock's Time Travels, and I couldn't decide what to do. I wanted to do this Radio 4 thing, which is which are sort of, um, they're whimsical essays called Indefinable Magic about some obscure arcane thing to do with Doctor Who. Sometimes their childhood nostalgia. Sometimes it's talking about the history of carrots in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but hopefully with jokes <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they took quite a lot of work. So I thought well, I need to spin that out with something else. So then I thought I'd do something factual because the facts are all out there. You just have to collate them. And there's no... Audio history of Doc Two. So I did this thing called Too Much Information, where basically yeah. I take an episode of Doc Two and I tell you everything about it, when it was done, where it was done, what was done, and biographies of who was in it. And they take even longer. So then I thought, <laughs> uh they've been very, very popular. Annoyingly, the one that's the one that's had the most attention is the one that takes. Oh my goodness. And then so I thought i well, will do one that's quick and I'd do these episode commentaries which are called um, Happy Times and Places. And the wheeze there is, because there's lots of episode commentaries out there, uh, I've got a friend to nominate a story and to choose their favorite things about each episode. And so I have to watch with a positive eye. So, yeah. because I listened to a few Dr. Who podcasts of people just hating Dr. Who. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna try and see even, so I, I, I struggled, but I tied my hardest with Time Lash episode two. <laughs> always with an eye of going i'm gonna see even as the doctor saying to the bad guy who'd want to kiss you you're ugly you should jump into a tinsel box because nobody's want to kiss you you (laughs) terrible thing uh is this a doctor basically body shaming somebody into oblivion uh but i try uh, and i see facts, and i hopefully keep it upbeat and yeah they're all on all your usual podcast outlets and the happy times and places i also do as a video that i stick on youtube Fantastic. Um, you
0: what length my mustache is at at any particular moment <laughs> very good well well thanks so much for uh, taking the time to to join us toby and uh good luck with all your endeavors and uh, come back and see us soon well thanks for having me
5: oh well what a
0: lovely chat thank you yes thank you so much to the lovely toby haydoke and uh, thanks for taking time i mean he really does have a very busy schedule you think you're busy
3: yeah well, i'm not i'm not haydoke busy you're really, really hard on the Haydok <laughs> scale.
0: You must be what, about <laughs> eight or nine. Uh, now, uh, he's off the scale, of course. He's busy producing not one, not two, but three podcasts. Three? Under, yep. Under the umbrella title of uh, Toby Haydok's Time Travels, one of which is Happy Times and Places, where he sits down in front of a Doctor Who episode, oh, uh, which nice. has been nominated by a friend of his. Nice, uh, nice. And gives his uh, thoughts and ruminations. So, of course... He asked me, didn't he? Uh, Wait, well, he, he ran out of friends, did yeah. he? Oh, I see. So which <laughs> story, Jamie, do you think I chose?
3: Oh, uh, hey. Morden Undead.
0: No, it wasn't Morden Undead. I think that had gone already. What? Uh, yeah, it, it, it is a Fifth Doctor story. It would have been Morden Undead. But uh, instead it
3: was? Enlightenment? Yeah, uh, that's a good one too. No, 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 no.
0: Check I give you a clue? Terminus? Uh, drop the sonic device, Doctor. Visitation. Of course. Ah, uh, lovely.
3: Lovely. Yeah, lovely.
0: yeah, so uh do give that a listen. I think in the meantime he's got many more eminent guests to uh to feature and I'll be along at, at some point.
3: I'll <laughs> see you in the future <laughs> on that podcast, great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh well, that's lovely. Um yeah. well we've uh, we're going a bit antipodean next week, would you would you believe it? Are we? Yes, yes. Are yes. they letting us in at last? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's still remote. Oh, uh, um, right. So, but next week we're sp- we're speaking to filmmaker and YouTuber Michael Shanks. Now, not necessarily a name that a lot of you would know, but I highly mm-hmm. recommend that anyone who's interested in practical effects and um, combining practical with digital should go onto YouTube and search for Michael Shanks rebooted, rebooted. It's a lovely little homage to everything practical and how it has a place or not, potentially, uh, in today's world. It's a great short film, and uh, that was what brought it to our attention via uh, producer of the podcast, Ben Page. I had a lovely chat with Michael, and um, we talk about all sorts of stuff about how he came to uh, get into Thunderbirds and other shows in the first place. Strangely, a very familiar tale of grandparents introducing it or grandparents allowing uh, him to to watch it. Um, It's the same with David Tremont, I think, and the same Uh with uh, another upcoming interviewee. Really interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, nice guy, and um, uh, and our first Antipodean guest ever. Really? Is it? Is that right? That can't be right. Well, I suppose David Tremont technically is Australian, but he's now in New Zealand. But our first current Australia resident, I think. Right. Well, yeah, that's quite exciting. us that long? Yeah, it did. So Michael Shanks, part one next week, and uh, many more to come. (sighs) (sighs) <sighs> <sighs> anything else you want to do or say before we hand over to chris who has finally managed to get himself dressed
0: oh thank goodness for that
3: <laughs> um well i've got some tweets do you want them now or do you want them oh, after the yeah, pop your tweets in and then chris can finish right. doing his hair before he uh, comes yeah. over the randomizer okay yeah,
0: will give him plenty of time alan j porter now this is carrying on the theme over on twitter said um i thought the jerry anderson podcast crew would appreciate this and he posted a picture saying my four and six year old granddaughters watching thunderbirds for the first time Ah, i love it it makes us feel warm and fuzzy doesn't it that sort of thing that's great uh, as uh, Jamie mentioned uh, Thunderbirds Adventure Terror from the Stars is coming and this week the Jerry uh, Anderson TV Twitter account posted a bit of a teaser roll on for the full release of course and uh, Kelly Haycock says earphone in listening carefully in anticipation of my already ordered copy uh, CJ says that sounds amazing it even has the classic Thunderbirds cliffhanger uh, Fox Radgen says no what happened next uh, it sounds amazing the background music gets spot on too and i uh, I like Wayne Forrester's narration. I always wanted an official crossover with Captain Scarlet. Franface says, love it. Great work with the incidental music from the episodes. Thunderbird's IR fans tweeted, sounds fantastic, can't wait. And Rachel Wilde said simply, wow.
3: We'll happily take all of those positive comments and more. So we hope you enjoyed the extra little sample in, uh, in this podcast too. More to come. Yeah, indeed. Great. And there we are. So don't forget, you can uh, tweet us by hashtagging us, Jerry
0: Anderson Podcast, or tagging me, Richard N. James. Him, I'm Jamie Anderson. And him over there, ah,
3: he's finally put the hair dry down, Chris Dalek. Perfect. Well, Chris Dalek, let's welcome you over so you can uh, do some randomizer stuff. Mm. Um, Chris has got a randomizer machine which he presses the button of and it randomly selects an episode of Jerry Anderson stuff. Chris watches it and gives us his witty and incisive comments and thoughts. I, for one, am looking forward to this week. Who knows what it'll be? Let's find out.
1: Now. Before we get started, this is the interrogation room, not the debriefing centre. Uh,
2: sorry, Colonel, is there something wrong?
1: you damn well what it is, this room.
2: Oh, don't worry. Just brought you in here for a little peace and quiet. You know, we don't want any rockets falling on top of us or anything. <laughs>
1: that's right. You'll be right back to zero again. Where do we go from here? Well,
2: that's up to you, really. Now, you said you had an urgent message for me.
1: Now, what I'm going to tell you is bizarre,
2: weird. What, that you want to press the button on the randomizer today?
1: All right, I know how it sounds. You think of anything better? Uh,
2: no, no, I literally cannot think of anything better. So please, Colonel Glenn Ross, today, it's all up to you. Oh,
1: it should be interesting. This is the part we have to make look good. Absolutely,
2: it's the most important part of the whole thing, after all.
1: Yeah, it's gotta be the right person, though. Otherwise, it makes no difference.
2: Precisely. So, there's the printout. Perhaps you could tell us what we are watching today.
1: The writing is reversed.
2: Huh? Let me take a look. No, seems fine to me. Satisfied? Yes, well I am. I think most people will be. Now, what do you see? Well, it's Stingray, and the episode is the, the Invaders in Colour.
1: What the hell was that? Yeah, well I'll tell you about him someday. Uh, okay. Well then, here's Stingray. The hell more do you want?
2: So, welcome back to Stingray on the Randomizer, and, uh, an episode that I find very interesting to talk about, because I find there's lots that I really enjoy with this episode, and, uh, and some things that I think don't work, but we open with one of the things that really does work, this gorgeous model shot of, uh, Wasp Weather Station 4, um, where this, uh, this lonely chap is keeping an eye on the weather, and, um, well, you don't need to be a, a trained weather person to, uh, to know, you can probably hear, by uh, the sound effects and the music that, uh, it's a bit of a storm going on out there, and it does look very nice.
6: Marineville, and uh, this is Weather Station Four. Routine check call. Nothing to report. We had a heck of a storm, but it's all quiet now.
9: Number Four, this is Marineville. Roger. Changing frequency. We'll be back on the air. Oh eight hundred hours for next check. Good night.
2: Good night, Marineville. And this guest, uh, this guest character playing um, whatever the the tower. Operative's name is—I'm sure we'll find out at some point. Uh, He looks um, very—he looks for Stingray. He looks quite convincingly human, except his his mouth is very wide. That finishes that.
6: Uh, I guess I'll turn in. Who was that?
2: Somebody creeping up a ladder. And this is a live-action shot. We're seeing uh, someone's put on gold tights and black flippers, but they've also put on. Gold rubber gloves, and we were talking about this, was it last week with with Fireball? Um, people putting on gloves to, to make their flesh look puppet skin colored. Whoever's posing for these live action shots has had to put gold gloves on to make his skin look gold. And this is very suspenseful, especially because we don't actually see Who are you? the face of the person coming up the tower.
6: What are you gonna
2: do? You just hear him advancing towards this poor guy, and then he gets thrown out the window, which is so brutal for this show. Uh, I don't know if he was thrown; it, it kind of looks like he jumped before the uh, alien could shoot him. And we're now seeing the the alien in all his uh, his glory, blowing up everything because he's such a naughty man. Oh, yes, the the, um, tower operative's name is Carter. He's hauling himself out of the water.
6: That's just a sample of what you'll get, Carter, if you don't do what we say. (laughs) What is it? What do you want me to do? First, our engineers plan a few changes to this place. And then... When they've finished, you'll call for Stingray. He's
2: one of the uh, least heroic Carters of the Anderson universe. What's it all about? Just do as you're told. You'll soon find out. Oh, puppets being threatened by a live-action hand.
9: Carter didn't say what it was all about, Troy, but you'd better take a look. It's Weather Station 4.
2: Okay, Atlanta, will do.
9: I'll be waiting for your report. Okay, we'll be there before you can say PWOR.
2: Oh, and they are. Thanks to the miracle of jump cuts, they are there. Just look at this place.
8: What happened? Well, it's a strange story, Captain. Okay, we're waiting. Let's hear it. I'm sorry, Captain, but I'm I'm afraid you walked into a trap.
2: And this is another very cool thing. In one night, what's going on? The aliens that took the tower have um have repurposed it so that it uh it, it can um well survive a trip not only underwater, but beneath the seabed.
8: Shooting me won't do any good, Captain. I, once the machinery is set in motion, nothing can stop it.
2: It's uh, it's very, a very nice image. Of course, it means they've left Stingray all alone. Some nice, very nice effects work of the... Uh,
8: pulled down like we were in an elevator.
2: The tower being dragged beneath the surface. They've even mounted it to a platform. They're very enterprising fellows, these aliens. Uh, in some ways, as we'll later discover, they are not a hundred percent competent in uh, in other other respects. Oh no, wait! Stingray won't be uh, unmanned. I b- I believe Oink might be on board. I think this is the last episode that Oink is in, and he's he's in it very briefly. We must be going down into the center of the Earth again. We seem to have spent a lot of our time in the center of the Earth, but yeah, he's right. I suppose because he's done it so often before, it's a uh, it's a familiar experience to him being pulled down beneath a uh, an entry hatch in the seabed and it's a a lovely model of the weather station actually, we're getting some nice close-ups of it as it's dragged down this this crater I believe it it appeared in one or two other episodes later on and here they are The evil aliens who've planned all this? Both of them. They have a very nice throne room.
8: Welcome to our city, Captain. Deep in the bowels of the earth, we have been expecting you.
2: Another city within the bowels of the earth. There's a lot of them in Stingray.
9: Stingray from Tower.
2: Still no answer, Atlanta.
9: No, you'd better get the commander. I'll carry on calling.
2: Oh, suddenly Stingray's hatch is open. It wasn't before I think that stock footage. Yeah, there he is.
9: Are you receiving me?
2: There's the little grey goblin. Stingray. Oink, all alone on Stingray. Which doesn't seem like a good idea.
6: What happened, Atlanta?
9: Stingray was on patrol, sir, when we had this emergency call from Weather Station 4.
6: Then contact the Weather Station. Well, I have, sir. We can't reach them either. Okay, so your scheme for getting us here worked. What
8: now? There is no need to take that attitude, Captain Tempest. <laughs> we would like to feel that you are our friends.
6: Friends? Gee, what do you do to your enemies?
8: Uh, we hope that you will never fall into that category, mm. Landman.
6: But you will, if you continue your warlike ways.
2: This is a very, very nice looking throne room. I also noticed there's a table there with uh, what looks like a, a copy of Marina's dress and some necklaces. I don't know what that's about.
8: When we question you, Captain.
2: I can't imagine that belongs to either of these gentlemen.
8: What happens after that? If we are satisfied, you are free to go. Please do not blame Carter for your predicament. We regret it, but we had to force him to help us.
2: We threw him through a window. It's our way of establishing trust and cooperation. Do you believe their story, Troy? I mean, about capturing is to
8: see if we're planning to invade him. It's pretty incredible to me. But let's see what
6: happens. It has worked perfectly so far. Yes, they will suspect
8: nothing. We will question Troy Tempest while he sits in this chair. The brain-reading chair.
2: Oh yes, that's what that chair is. I'd forgotten. Please explain to me in detail what it does. ...will enable us to capture Marineville,
6: the first step in our conquest of the Earth and the whole of the Terranian race will be stamped out.
2: Yep, it's, it's a rather a sort of uh, underpants gnomes style plan in that they've leaped from, uh, from stage one to stage three rather quickly. Take over Marineville, and then we'll just sort of conquer the earth somewhere after that.
6: The dual Tyranians had no thought of invading us. Of course I stick by it, it's a truth. Very well. Now about Marineville. Is there a sea entrance? That's
8: secret information, I can't answer.
2: This is a lovely idea that um, Troy is involuntarily giving up Marineville secrets.
8: If you don't wish to answer, you don't have to. he
2: sat in the chair.
6: Attacked. What happens? Or is that secret too?
2: Every time they ask him a question, you can
5: save yourself. The
2: answer is being flashed up on a great big screen behind him. It, I mean, it does make him look a bit dopey. Especially as these, there's these long periods of silence between him answering and them asking the next question. But uh, they're getting all the info they need. To see the ocean door and Marineville's battle stations mode.
8: That's all right, Captain Tempest. You have been most cooperative. You've told us all we want to know.
2: Muhaha <laughs> Oh, no, we're supposed to be nice people.
8: To Stingray. <laughs>
2: while Oinks fired off several dozen sting missiles at nothing in particular. You didn't answer any of the questions,
6: did you, Twy? Of course I didn't. They sure seemed to give up pretty easy, considering all the trouble they
8: went to in the first place. You guys can think what you like of me. I let you down badly, I know that, but I tell you one thing. I don't trust
6: them.
2: Yeah. Being thrown through a window will do that to you. But the question is...
6: What? We are ready. Our subterranean travel cylinder is standing by. Good. The brain-reading machine worked perfectly.
2: Brain-reading machines, subterranean travel cylinders, these guys have got everything.
6: And we have the element of surprise on our side. They will never expect an invasion from beneath the ground. (laughs) Indeed not. Alert our men.
2: The- What men, sir?
6: Marineville.
2: There is just you and me. I I wonder if they actually got Weather Station 4 back.
6: I just don't believe it. Don't worry, I didn't tell them anything. That goes without saying, Captain.
2: Because now obviously the Wasps know that there is a tunnel directly to the enemy base beneath Weather Station 4. Did they... I know they let everybody go, including Carter. Did they destroy it afterwards? I, I don't know. Just doesn't add up. But I've got a hunch it means trouble.
6: Well, I'm taking no chances. Atlanta? Sir? Sound launch stations.
2: It's something I actually like about this episode, despite the fact that I'm sure it it does work against it in the long run. Is uh, these aliens are so, have hatched really grand plans that they are just so
9: stingray launch stage one, right? Sound battle stations. Yep.
2: Dazzling in their audacity and uh, and the sheer well, doing that overnight work on, on weather station 4 to turn it into a not only to take it beneath the surface but to take it beneath the the, the ocean bed is just they're, they're brilliant with their subterranean travel cylinders They I, I find them a lot of fun they are completely insane but I find them a, a great deal of fun
9: the battle station's completed sir
2: good,
6: whatever the danger, we're ready for it now all we do is wait
2: I just noticed that there's a, a food dispenser machine in Marineville and one of the buttons is marked fruit. It doesn't give you a choice of fruit, it will just present you with anything. It's been nearly four hours, Troy. It's another reason I hope we can get this, uh, this show in HD soon, I want to see what, uh, is, we're gonna see some action. Yeah. what else they can eat in Marineville. We can't stay at battle stations forever.
8: Yeah, Commander Shore's got a tough decision on his hands.
2: This also maybe a bit of an overreaction on Shaw's part. It's not like two aliens being a bit suspicious.
9: Do we carry on waiting?
2: Hasn't cropped up before, and they haven't quite gone to this level of uh, of, of battle stations before. To the extent that they're prepared to just lock themselves underground indefinitely. This is
1: Commander
2: But of course, being underground.
6: No personnel to remain in their quarters for a further period of four hours.
2: Shaw didn't count on them having a subterranean travel cylinder and it's there. They've arrived in Marineville.
6: We are in Marineville.
8: Our first objective, the control tower.
2: This is a very nice shot as well, um, making use of the, the the stock footage of Marineville underground. And the aliens have come up in just the right spot to, uh, to see the tower from that vantage point. And there we go. Get a nice back-projection shot of that stock footage as they, uh...
8: It is exactly as the brain reader
2: showed us. ...as they waddle out and look at it. So the Stingray crew are are at sea. They're on standby. The tower, everyone's waiting. Control tower. Unauthorised personnel keep out. We'd better not go in. It's only wasp personnel and small children allowed in there.
6: We'll remain at battle stations for another half hour. We can't keep this up. Just have to rely on extra patrols.
2: Yeah, they'll be running out of groceries in the Marineville supermarket, which we know is a thing.
6: Stay right where you are.
2: Ah, that's it. They're in the control tower.
6: We shall kill you. Okay, now. Walk slowly to that wall.
2: But Atlanta...
6: Keep away from the control.
2: ...has flipped the talk to Stingray lever, so the Stingray crew can hear what's going on. All of you. Troy,
8: that voice on the radio. Yeah. It's one of the characters that captured us. They must be in the control room and someone's flicked the switch.
2: These aliens have now got Shaw, Atlanta and Fisher.
6: No harm will come to you if you obey my orders. You don't stand a chance of getting away with (laughs) us. Don't we, Commander? We know exactly how
8: Marineville works. Troy Tempest told us everything. Okay, phones. Now we know the score, let's get back to Marineville. Right, Troy.
2: <laughs> Nobody's going to question the fact that, uh, that Troy told them. Even he isn't like, what? Oh. oh. Don't look
8: so shocked, Commander. You see, we used a brain-reading machine. Captain Tempest did not betray you intentionally.
2: So that's what they were up to. This is a nice shot as well of, of Troy and phones from above. As the older. Uh, Heroic Stingray theme plays. We are in
6: luck. All our craft are at sea.
2: Right.
8: Keep the ocean door closed.
2: Did you hear that, Troy?
8: Quiet. We've got to find out what they're up to.
9: You seem very confident of your success.
8: And why shouldn't we? Our invasion is planned to the last detail.
9: Even the best laid plans go wrong.
8: You and the Commander are the only ones who know we are in the control tower.
2: I'm here too. Shut up, uh, Lieutenant.
6: ...invade. They are already on the move.
2: Ah, yes, the non-existent backup troops, which uh, again is something that uh, I have to call into question. We haven't seen any.
6: Our invading force is approaching.
2: We'll never see any. We don't see any indication that anything is approaching Marineville. But yeah, uh, supposedly a whole invasion force. Just uh, any moment they're gonna turn up. Open ocean door. When they do, oh uh no no sign of them and uh, trojan phones can't open the ocean door's not opening oh they must have jammed the remote control mechanism and a uh, newly shot footage of the ocean door I think it's the first time since the pilot they would have shot any new footage of the ocean door as uh
8: missiles but the explosions could block the tunnel Troy
2: yeah but we'll have to take our chance tro and phones prepare to blow up the entrance to the tunnel <laughs> I like the way as well this episode actually uses Marineville, Marineville's established sort of settings and fixtures to uh, to create its story. Fire one. And even though it's only the ocean door, you know, you do feel a little bit of sort of, oh, they blew up a regular part of the show. Not yet, we haven't. We've still got to stop that fearsome invasion force.
8: The alarm.
6: Look. Something's entering the tunnel.
9: And that something is Stingray. Yay.
6: Okay, the little game's over, gentlemen. Your invading force won't get far now. No. It takes exactly three minutes for Troy to get from the pen to the control tower. You may as well surrender.
2: Commander, we have 80,000 men and you have Troy Tempest. Right
6: easily. Now move quickly to the standby dome. The new
8: tricks.
2: Although, knowing Stingray aliens as we do, their invading force is probably three people maximum, and maybe a a couple more guns. It's also interesting as well, I'm sure Shaw keeps a gun in his hover chair. He might have been able to uh, Open number one hatch phones, bring down injector tubes and fast. To pull that out. The control tower.
8: Number one hatch and injector tubes.
2: But the aliens have more important matters on their mind as they move to the standby lounge. Oh, and Troy and phones leaving Stingray, that's a rare shot.
8: Commander, not a word or you'll all die.
2: Yeah, they've taken Shaw, Atlanta, and Fisher.
8: Is our only chance of escape, Commander. For
2: some reason, Fisher, who has said nothing since the aliens arrived, Coming. is bound and gagged. Because, uh I guess they thought Fisher was a threat to their plans.
6: those guns, gentlemen. If we die, your people will go with us. You're fighting a losing game. We'll decide that, Troy Tempest. Now get out of those chairs. Both of you, at once. They mean business, Troy. They've
2: tied up Fisher in some sort of strange bondage ritual. I don't know what that's about.
6: Thinking of doing anything foolish, remember, when we get into Stingray, your traitress of the sea, Marina, will be with us. Or had you thought it had escaped our notice that she was still on board?
2: That's quite a point. And we'll have oink as well, but nobody cares.
6: The next time.
8: (laughs) Troy, what are you doing? This is Troy calling Stingray.
2: They're gonna make away with Stingray.
8: Once if you do. Now listen, there's not much time. Do exactly as I say.
2: Aliens are coming down to Stingray on the injector seats, A Marina is submerging Stingray. So that when the tubes enter the pen, again, this is more clever use of the established Marineville setup. Now the, uh, the Stingray pen. Yep, here they go.
6: Stingray, it's gone. Ah! So
2: we drop the puppets into the water. I think one of their heads just did a, a complete 180 there. Well, by the sound of it, Marina made it okay. <laughs> Guess that's the end of their invasion. As uh, I said
9: earlier, even the best laid plans can go wrong. Yep,
2: yeah, there we go. That's our fearsome enemies reduced to uh lolling around in the water, shrieking. Because, you know, if there's one thing underwater aliens wouldn't be able to do is swim. And uh because their their leaders got a bit wet, that, uh, that knocks the whole invasion thing on the head, needless to say, their, their invasion force, their fearsome invasion force, which was just almost there, um, I don't know, they must have turned back. No idea what happened there, everybody just assumes that's it. All done. And that was the invaders, and I think you can tell by the way I've been talking about it that, uh, I actually find this one great fun. I wouldn't say that it's one of the best episodes, because, um, there are quite a few plot holes in the script like specifically where on earth this massive invasion force goes at the end but it is it is endearingly loopy there's some oh dennis spooner right there's some fun ideas at work here i I like that the marineville that, that they actually get into marineville the the invaders they at times they feel one or two steps ahead of our regulars, which is nice and fun. Unfortunately they're just... they hatch all these loopy plans and it's all for nothing because basically their own uselessness works against them in the end. So it's, as a Stingray episode, it's its nothing spectacular, it's not one of the greats. I think this is a bit of a guilty pleasure, I, uh, I enjoy it for the fact that it is so lovably daft and silly.
3: Stingray! Stingray! Sorry. Yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. had to. That's fine. I thought you were going to go into Marina instead. <laughs> I good. Aqua Marina. Lovely. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, it's it's lovely. All, all syrupy and croony. Um, very much like Stingray in general, actually, I'd say. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> No, it's, a, it's certainly a, charming. It's a comfort food, isn't it, of the Jerry Anderson universe, I always think. It's the beans on toast with some cheddar <laughs> cheese on top. So, oh, you know, elevated slightly cream. from... Jo- yeah. Salad cream? Oh, yeah. On your beans? Try it before you knock You're it. You're a monster. <clears throat> I don't even know you. Anyway, hmm. thank you very much, Chris, for your randomizer episode. If, if you have any views on salad cream and beans, then please oh. do email us, podcast at gerryanderson.co.uk. And we may read out your thoughts next week, unless, of course, you're in favour of them. In, in which case, I shall be so that. Oh, I see. Um, it's very one sided this podcast, yes, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Chris will be back next week with more randomizer. We'll be back next week with more podcast stuff. Richard, is there anything else to wrap up? Oh, hang on, you had some comments what? from the world of YouTube, didn't you?
0: Oh no no! I well I, no no! I, did I no? I don't think I did. Only oh, no, you panics me now. No, I'll save those for next week.
3: Oh okay, yeah. No, I, I yeah. felt like things were coming to a close anyway. So let's close I things out. So
4: yes, exactly.
3: No, that's great. Uh, Podstrom, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to be in your ears again this week with all things out It is nice, yeah. isn't
0: it? Yeah, especially when they've cleaned them.
3: Yes, do keep them clean. Thank you yeah, very much. Although you. don't use uh, the cotton buds. Um, they're oh, not. No. They're not meant for going into the year Believe it or not even though they seem perfectly designed for that. Uh, No, right, that's the end of Pod 154. We're we're not um, orologists or is that the right term? Well, uh, uh, what is that, clock specialists? What is it? No, not Uh, Oh, Anyway, look, we're just a couple of blokes chatting nonsense on the podcast, so we'll leave you to your own um, aural hygiene, and um, we will be back next week for Pod 155. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Goodbye!
9: one complete
1: let's go
3: I had a um, maths teacher when I was at school. Yeah. I think his name was Roger Edwards. Had a great moustache. and right, uh, did he? he? Yeah, he was very firm about differentiating between oral and aural. Yes, well, I can imagine so. Um, because we used to have aural, as in listening, uh, maths tests. Ah, but not oral maths tests. No, because then we'd be speaking Just the solution. Speaking sums. Yeah. Yeah isn't that interesting any any uh thoughts on oral versus oral
0: i mean if you'd warned me i might have
3: <laughs> got a few together <laughs> well that's the point of this this last post-credits this sort of bit is i i cuff, surprise you of,
0: yes oral. i've never really considered it in much depth no okay well that's fine well now I'm you sorry have to disappoint
3: you. no that's all right. i'm
0: i'm <laughs> It's nothing that I'm not used to, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that surprises us all is that you actually had maths lessons. Uh,
3: well, thank you. I was terrible at maths. I, oh, me I, too. I hated it. Still am. I really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Struggled. In fact, I helped a um, uh, chap I'm working on, uh, working on, working with on <laughs> yeah. a on a project hmm. um, to help his daughter with her, I think quadratic equations homework, which what? bizarrely I can remember from really? school but in doing so it, it just filled me with sort of slightly hot tense rage um, yes oh absolutely yeah, yeah so i won't be doing that again imagine mm, anyway yeah. uh i guess you're probably yeah. off to um do some uh, quadratic equations, equations now, yes. yeah. okay
0: at least go and google it and see what they are yes
3: good luck with that and uh <laughs> thanks. I'll, I'll give you one to uh to work out next week okay thanks for that all right
1: good luck <clears throat> bye bye you have been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.